The clocks have fallen back and the dark season is upon us. The lawns and streets are full of drifts of leaves and acorns pop underfoot. At the college, we scramble ahead of the first of the cold weather holidays. The students long for the respite, but we pack every moment we have for them, eyes firmly on the prize of getting them what we know they need in their journeys. November. I'm Claire Houle, a writer and instructional designer at the Center for Teaching Excellence at Midlands Technical College here in Columbia, South Carolina. This season, I'm exploring stories about life at our college and the ways we try to connect and work together to serve our community. What do you do for our college and how do you do it? How are you serving our students? Who are you in community with? And what's your experience of the state of interconnection at MTC? This is Instructional Ecology. This story begins with a paradigm shift. In 2019, MTC moved away from a traditional advising model wherein students were advised by professors across the college to a centralized model wherein dedicated advisors handled student advising from start to finish. This was big, huge, a fundamental change to how our college formally guides students in their education. And to begin the story, let's start with the roots of the project and with the person who oversaw that transition. I'm Drew Newton. I serve as the Director of Academic and Career Advising. I've been at the college for four years. Record scratch. When I mean the past and the roots, I do mean that we are looking into the past here. I talked with Drew at the end of his time at MTC in the summer of 2022, before he left the college and moved on to New Horizons. His voice today is archival, a look into the living past of the college, and it's a vivid and lively voice as he recalls that time of transition and upheaval. I asked him to tell about the roots of this change at the college. What was the vision? What was the goal? The catalyst for changing our advising model really comes down to consistent access to an advisor, consistent degree planning with an advisor, as well as consistent use of technology. So if we look back prior to the new academic and career advising model starting in uh, May of 2019, we find that excellent advising was happening, but there were a lot of different answers on how a student was advised. And what it meant is advising really was tied to registration and advising was still using practices that we had lived with for quite some time. Lots of paper-based advising, lots of in-person advising, if not all in-person advising, and students oftentimes being registered by another office or individual other than themselves. And we wanted to change the model so that we advised 12 months out of the year so that students could work with the same person or same small group of people. And perhaps one of the biggest reasons we changed is because we really needed to better utilize technology in advising so that the transparency was there for students on their progress to degree and so that we could give them the tools to be able to monitor their progress and register for their classes themselves. So here we are at the roots, the core idea that students would have a consistent advisor whose only job is to advise. That advisor would also use specialized technology and be trained in and spend their time perfecting 
those skills that are specific to advising. Today's story is going to begin at the roots of this new advising model and follow it as the trunk the main project grows, and then follow two of its branches to see how advising is reaching out, interconnecting with two schools at the college. We'll travel to the fruit of those branches, students, and then see where the new growth is occurring at the top with our brand new Director of Academic and Career Advising. This is a chance to look closely at an entire biome of the college. When I talk to faculty and staff who aren't directly connected to advising, it seems like this could be another part of the college that's hazy or unclear. Here's the ecology part of our podcast. Let's investigate, hear some stories, meet some lives, gain some clarity into the life of the college community, hear what's actually happening. If you were here for that shift, maybe you'll hear something new, gain some new understanding. And if you arrived after the shift, Perhaps you'll gain some perspective on this recent massive change the college underwent. And for now, let's stick with Drew at the roots so we can see what everything is built on and draws nourishment from. What are those essential advising skills and practices that dedicated advisors cultivate? Well, first, I think it's important that an advisor prepare effectively for the appointment and the conversation so that you do your homework on what the student has told us when they booked their appointment, what you can see from their transcripts, what you can see from their degree progress, even looking at things like, it looks like they're doing better in classes that meet on campus rather than those that meet on Zoom or completely online. I think preparation is key to the trust building process. I think the second thing is making it clear as an expectation, sort of just like when you're teaching a class, what the expectations will be for that session that day. Otherwise, you're going to rest on the student's assumption, which is this is just someone who's going to help me plug in some classes and we're going to move on. Um, But then I think that the third part of the trust is asking questions, but using some of your own lived experience in those answers. Um, I think it's really empowering when an advisor tells a student that they were on academic probation at one time, or they changed their major five times in their first year, I think that normalizes it for the students so that they understand that this person in front of them in person or on on Zoom isn't some person who had it figured out all along. I think sharing that lived experience can build that trust too. But if the student doesn't feel that you're prepared for that conversation, I think there's no way you can build the trust. This is so much and the precision of his answer demonstrates how deep a craft advising is. It requires research, interpersonal skills, interviewing skills, complex critical thinking, documentation, and imagination. I definitely think that advising is an art and a science. At the end of the day, at baseline, an advisor has to be sure that the classes you're taking count on the program evaluation for your program so that they are covered for financial aid, so that they count toward degree progress and ultimately help you graduate. That's the science side. So no question, we put a lot of emphasis first on that. But what we really do more often in interviews is ask more situational-based questions so we can get a sense of the art here of advising. There's so much contact here with students, getting to know them, working with them, And that's one reason why this change at the college was a true paradigm shift, because before this change, there was a different group of people doing this work, getting that student contact, faculty. So when formal advising was removed as a faculty duty, 
there were many thoughts and feelings about this around the college. I don't know that I can tell you why it's so touchy to change an advising model, but it's touchy to change an advising model no matter your institution. I worked at USC before coming to Midlands Tech where they standardized advising across the uh, new freshman and transfer experience. And that was super touchy. I think what makes it touchy is there's a lot of connection that's inherent in good advising. And I think we had to do a better job of reframing, especially for faculty colleagues, how you were not going to lose that connection and how it really would perhaps maybe leave more room for you to share your expertise with students rather than be stuck in uh, fulfilling processes with the student. I asked Drew from his perspective as witness and participant and director how he saw reaction to the shift from faculty. And to me, it sounds like there was a sense of loss. I believe that those who really liked advising of our faculty colleagues who were really hesitant to see it go away and move to a centralized office didn't love advising because they loved all the processes and the dotting the I's, the crossing the T's. Uh, they really loved it because it gave them a chance to, dis to explain and display their passion for working in psychology or working in human services or getting your biology degree with us on your track toward pre-med. And I think this leaves us in a really great shared space where a person who really understands all the resources of the college, understands the technologies, understands the processes of registration, changing your major, withdrawing from classes, that can stay in the bucket uh, that the advisor manages. And that really requires almost daily training on something. And this allows the faculty member then to stay in the space that they naturally gravitate toward anyway, which is sharing the passion and also helping the student prepare for the career. And I really think you see the best nexus of that in courses like COL 101, 105, and 106, where you really are sort of advising every class, but you're not having to lock yourself into the processes that are inevitable in the advising experience. And from advising's perspective, the shift allows deeper specialization for both faculty and advisors. I think that there's a dual benefit here. And what this means is the faculty still have an exceptional role, the most important role in designing the curriculum. And what they can do then is make sure that the advisor understands how to explain that curriculum and, and why it is in the order it's in and how one thing builds to another. And you can leave that planning and explanation and process-based work really in many ways to an advisor who is trained on all the different college resources, trained on the technology, uh, and is doing this day in and day out. And it leaves more time then for the faculty member to really be able to do the career exploration and planning with students. Let's stay with the core of advising skills here, the heartwood of centralized advising. What are those specialized skills that dedicated advisors must develop? Drew used a term that I found electrifying, intrusive questions. What kinds of questions should an advisor ask in order to be effective? They do not hesitate to ask intrusive questions. You know, one of the best examples that we give or something I look for in an interview is you don't want to ask the student, how is the semester going? They're going to tell you fine. 
and fine means nothing. You want to say, I see you're in these five classes. Let's go through a grade estimate for each of those classes. You want to ask something more intrusive so that you can get an answer that makes you ask another question. So I'm looking for a good questioner. And what do they do with what they learn from those intrusive questions? And I think the other part of the art is something that isn't as easy to find in an interview, and that is, do you demonstrate an ability to coach the student, not just do it all for them? And coaching is an art form. And so that typically means that we're looking for folks who have really demonstrated experience in helping professions many times. Coaching. This goes beyond asking. In my job, I do a lot of thinking about how and when to ask what kinds of questions. So I appreciate this art. And further, coaching is what you decide to do with what your questions have revealed. But there's even more to it than that in Drew's understanding. Here's my analogy of, of a difference between what students believe is going to happen in advising and what we really want to happen. And it goes to intrusive questions. We don't want to simply be order takers. We want to be vision makers and crafters. Vision makers, vision crafters. This is next level. But intrusive questions move that expectation of the student to what we really want them to take away, which is where do you want to go? And I don't just mean what institution do you want to transfer to or what job do you want? But when you look down the road, what kind of a life do you seek for yourself? What kind of areas were highly interesting to you in high school? Where do you feel are your natural strengths? We need to really help you understand yourself so that you don't just become an order taker for yourself of just taking random classes because that's what you feel the expectation is. I think intrusive questions is about helping a person see bigger than the process, which is what brought them to the conversation. So here are the roots growing up into the trunk, the central anchoring principles, questions, coaching, vision making that are then manifested through college processes. But how can advisors help ground a student's vision in study when our college teaches the incredible diversity of topics that it does. The answer, the center, the trunk, begins to branch out into the schools of the college with specialized school-specific advisors. We went to localizing advisors with particular schools of study for, I'd say, two main reasons. One is we want to build confidence for the advisors in what they're discussing. We want them to feel confident and comfortable in the curriculum for their programs so that they can ask those best practice intrusive questions and so that they can inspire confidence in the student as well in that program. But the second part is I was very aware that while there were some faculty who were happy to let advising go, there were some who were not. And the best way for us to bridge that is to ensure that relationship development happened not just with the student, but also with the faculty and staff in those particular curricular areas. So what we do is every semester, we will bring together representatives from the schools of study with their advisors. So of course you can talk about curriculum, but we can also discuss common trends. Here's where specialization begins. In order to be a good advisor, you have to know what on earth is being taught, how it locks together into pathways for the student and what the possible outcomes are for each specialty. And to introduce this branching, Drew wants to introduce someone here who was an advisor embedded with the School of Advanced Manufacturing and Skilled Trades. 
Well, let me tell you the magic about Alora Hutchinson as well, who is, is, as you have said, a tremendous ambassador for MTC. The magic here is that Laura started as an advisor in the advising center and then became the department chair for advanced manufacturing and skilled trades. That does not happen very often. It speaks to her strengths. But what I think is really great is, to be honest, AMST was by far one of the strongest opponents of a centralized advising model. And I don't think they would hesitate me saying that because it's just the truth. And a big part of it is their programs are just so inherently tied to career. And it was much more likely then that the faculty member who advised you was then the same person who was going to see you and work with you in class in the welding days, for example. Laura would join particular classes and she'd have a designated portion of that class. The faculty member and Laura would work together to support those students. And it really did allow us to balance off of each other. Laura knew more about the process side of things. And the faculty member knew more about what you're actually going to do in those ACR courses, for example, or what it actually means to go uh, get a job with a degree in mechatronics. I think that partnership was beautiful. Let's follow this branch away from the Center of Advising and into the School of AMST and meet the woman who entered AMST as a specialized advisor and ended up joining the school as their department chair. Quite an amazing flow. My name is Laura Hutchinson, and I'm the department chair for Advanced Manufacturing and Skilled Trades here at Midlands Technical College. I just completed my first year in this role. Um, however, I have been with Midlands Tech on and off since 2004. Um, so it's a pleasure. I love working for Midlands Tech, and um, this is this is dream job for me. Love what I do. Centralized advising was relatively uh, new to uh, Midlands Technical College. I believe they started in May of uh, 2019. Um, I began my role in July. Uh, so I was got to be a part of the new order of how advising and centralized advising was going to take place at Midlands Tech. Um, so from the beginning, I, I got to be the first advisor for the school. It was at that time industrial technology. Um, and then it since uh, became advanced manufacturing and skilled trades. Um, so that's how I uh, came about my role. So Laura came in and learned the school so well, she became a part of it. Being chair to her seems like a natural extension of the advising position. Coming into this role, basically, I, I believe what was expected of me in my position was to get to know the faculty and program directors of AMSD. Um, and I, I remember that I was uh, scheduled to sit down with every um, program director as the advisor, which provided to be um, crucial um, to the success of the role of the AMST advisor in centralized advising. Because I got to sit down, we got to establish a rapport, um, which is so very important to put a name of the face. This is the person that you're going to be working with. Um, I remember establishing in my conversations with the program directors that, um, hey, let's work together. We're a team. You know, we, our ultimate goal is student success. Um, so by and large, I believe that that's where the foundation was set for me in that role in developing relationships and trust um, and collegiality with the program directors of AMSD. So I sat down with all eight program directors 
And we talked about curriculum. We talked about students. We talked about family. You know, we had a, a just a good overall conversation. And that's really where I believe that um, the, the foundation, the success of how we worked together and the trust was established um, because it was new. It was new to the, the whole campus. It was new to the whole college um, centralized advising. So I think a lot of advisors um, across the board, across the disciplines, probably had very similar situations where they, you know, chatted with the program directors and said, hey, this is what we're doing and let's work together. And um, that's how that that's how that began. And to get to have the combination of looking out for the students and their best interests, but also getting to work hand in hand with the faculty to provide the best education to the student is kind of the best of both worlds because I get to work um, in, in management of faculty. Let's follow the branch here out to the fruit of the tree, an AMST student, and see what drew him to us and how advising has been for him. Hi, my name is Chandler Lawson. I am a student at Midlands Tech, and I am getting an associate's degree in the Building Construction Technology Program. I have roughly five classes left, and I've completed 16 of the 21 classes and roughly 45 hours. So the biggest thing that brought me, there's two actually. The first one was my construction teacher, Robbie Sharp, has been my teacher for going on five years. So me and him have an extremely well relationship and he's like the father figure to me in the construction industry. So hearing the news that he was going to be an instructor here my first year, that was the biggest thing on top. And then I found out that if I graduated high school with a 3.0 GPA, that not only did the whole building construction program I'm going through is free, but I got exempt from some classes because of high school classes I took as well. So after hearing all the information, it was, and I lived 20 minutes away. So after hearing all that information, I mean, it was pretty much a no brainer right off the top of my head. I asked Chandler about his advising experience when he entered and throughout his time with us. So my advisor, he had a list of all the courses I needed to take to get through the associate's degree. And I mean, he had recommendations as well. He said, because he knew the hours of the class, how many total credit hours, he's like, these classes are all three hours. So I wouldn't bunch all these up together for you. I would get an hour 45 class and then that three hour class and maybe throw in another hour 45 class in there. He really kind of, I felt like he really went out of his way to kind of line up and get a semi-established plan of this is the path to take to have the smoothest experience for what you're doing. So they pretty much gave me two options. They said, do you want to do all your BCT classes first and get a feel for that and see how that goes? Or we could start out doing your gen ed classes, your histories, your Englishes, your businesses. Chandler's advisor was ready to figure out how Chandler's life and schedule worked and help him make choices that allowed him to customize his schedule based on his needs. So that was probably one of my favorite things was them giving those kind of options. And I chose to go down the, get all my construction classes out the way first, just because I was so eager to get those done. And now since I'm almost in the home stretch of my 
classes, I'm pretty much in all of my genetic classes, which isn't fantastic, but I enjoy it. And Laura remains connected to student advising, keeping an eye out from her position. And when Chandler had a clerical error at the beginning of his program between Laura and his advisor, it was soon set right. So she has been fantastic. I mean, every time I've had a question or a little hiccup or anything that my instructors can't help me out with, I go to her and it's like a snap of the fingers, it's done. I mean, she's just been outstanding. I've noticed since I started here and she's became the chairman over the trade center that she's so involved with everything. I mean, I see her always out by the house. I see her talking to all kinds of instructors. I hear from instructors that, hey, she's doing this or that to help our program get to here. She's killing it. She's always doing something for the programs here. Chandler has been happy here at MTC. It's honestly phenomenal, especially for me who has loved this type of work my entire life. And I see the people that are running behind the scenes. You have Miss Roxanne, you have Mr. Sharp, you have Mr. Waters, and they're just, they're also driven because I see it. They love what they do, which put me in the position where I truly loved it as well. And I could see that he has taken, especially Mr. Sharp, he has taken people that, hey, I kind of want to get in this industry. And by the time he's done with them, they don't want to do nothing else. I mean, the people that are on staff here are just unbelievable. They're so involved. A student's joy in learning a program that's just right for them and finding success is like no other. And Laura is working hard to set this tone for AMST students and faculty and staff. I feel the positivity with our students as well, because I don't think really anything has changed in the sense of our faculty caring for our students. I think that's always been there. But I truly feel that now it's all kind of come together with us feeling uh, connectivity as a whole with this particular school. It's a great feeling. Um, you can just kind of see we all have a pep in our step with how we're feeling about the future. We know we're needed in the world, in our community. We're supported at the college. So it's just like the best time for us. And we're, we're, we're very happy. Following the reach of advising into AMST was such an interesting look at interconnections at the college. I notice that people come to work for the college and then find their path over the years and sometimes end up in places they never guessed would be a wonderful fit for them. And if we follow another branch off the trunk of advising, we find another person who's found her way at the college. Barbara is an MTC alumna who later returned to work for the college. I'll let Barbara introduce herself by way of telling a story about her own experience with advising decades ago. And you can hear her using a skill that Drew highlighted, using her own experience to bridge a gap with current student experience. I invite you to listen as an interviewer, an advisor, and hear the structure of her experience and how it might connect to many of our current students' experience. My name is Barbara Church Rodriguez. I'm the Associate Director in Academic and Career Advising um, on the airport campus. I've been at the college for a total of 23 years, advising for 15, and I am an alumna of the college. As of May 2022, I am Associate Director of Advising and Communications and Operations, and I'm located on the airport campus. So I usually deal with everything on the airport campus as far as um, daily operations, and 
I deal with um, training all advisors as far as just introductory into curriculum for nursing and healthcare. And then I also do all the scheduling for the advisors. So when I first started, it was 1998, of course. Um, and I came in under the accounting program, but in discussions with my advisors, because, you know, once you apply to the college, then you take your placement tests and such and meet the requirements for admissions. You get admitted, you get put in with an advisor. The advisor is going to ask you certain questions. And so those questions trigger you to really think about what you're doing. And at the time, when I first started college, I was going for accounting. And accounting was my major. I liked math. I loved um, books and QuickBooks and stuff like that. Then I took my first semester of accounting 101 class. And then I decided after that class that for 20 years, I did not want to do that anymore. Um, sometimes you don't realize until you take an introductory level course, whether or not you want to go into that profession or that career. Um, and sometimes it's in discussion with the advisor. So after my first semester or during my first semester, when I decided, you know what, I don't want to go into accounting, I'm going to finish this semester out, but let me go back and talk to my advisor. So I went back and talked to my advisor and we looked at some things that I was interested in. Um, I took a assessment like type focus that we use now to kind of help me with a career decision. And that's when I found out that I was really good with administrative office technology stuff, Microsoft Word, Excel, Access, and PowerPoint, and just databasing and networking. And so I majored in administrative office technology here and finished um, within the two-year mark to finish my associate's degree in business and administrative office technology. Barbara will take us into a different branch, the School of Healthcare, which is part of her responsibility. Healthcare has several programs that are intensely demanding in time and skill. There are many reasons that students might not succeed in these programs, and some paths limit the number of times a student can attempt a class before they can try again. So while advising always demands good interpersonal skills, healthcare has some special asks of its embedded advisors. I think some of the skills that um, advisors have to have are um, you have to be able to listen. You have to be able to be empathetic with the student because you have to have empathy, but also follow rules and policies and procedures. Sometimes those don't mix. Sometimes it seems like you're being a cold person, but it's just a policy. For example, in School of Healthcare, you know, we have a repeat policy. You can only repeat two classes one time. And so you have a student who is struggling with one of the hardest biologies there is, bio 210 anatomy and physiology, they withdrew the first time, well, that counts against them. So then they have to pass it the second time. And if they make a D or an F the second time or withdrawal again, then they're ineligible for applying for their program that they want to go into. So some of those policies can become very difficult. I asked, are you sometimes the one who has to break this news to students? Yes, it is. It turns out that often it's the advisor who has to inform the student that for now, a door has closed to them. So when it comes to that part, usually they're prepared because they know, oh man, I messed up, you know, or, or you know, something like that. But is it difficult sometimes? Yes. To tell a student that your dream is to become a radiologist and because you failed multiple classes or dropped multiple classes because you, you know, you had things going on and everything and you can't continue for right now. I mean, it's a 10 year mark when you'll be able to continue. It, it can be difficult. Sometimes I feel like crying with them. Sometimes, you know, I've been with them from the beginning. 
And so, you know, they've, they've been here a year and a half working on this, working so hard, and then, you know, they just can't do it. But there's planning that healthcare advisors put into place early in a student's time with the school. They talk about a plan B in case things don't work out, matter-of-factly and pragmatically. Life comes at you fast. I always tell them, you know, life happens. So what is plan B? What is plan B if you don't make it into this program? What is plan B if something happens and you're not able to continue? So having that conversation at the beginning where it stays in their mind constantly every time they talk to you kind of helps structure that if I give them a bad news, yes, it's bad news, but we already have an idea in place of what plan B is going to be. Um, that policy and procedure is discussed with the student every single semester. So the advisor has begun talking about plan B at the beginning, just in case it's needed, so that the student isn't left completely unprepared if things don't work out. These early conversations mean the student already has allowed themselves to imagine several possible futures since they're taking on a tremendously challenging course of study that isn't for everyone. And Barbara knows healthcare path options inside and out, as do her staff. So we have different healthcare programs that don't require the high level of biology. So you have like physical therapy, nuclear medicine, radiology, dental hygiene that require bio 210 to 11. But then you have programs like medical assisting, expanded duty dental assisting, surgical tech that are certificates and diplomas that only require basic anatomy and physiology. And so they feel, they do and they feel better in that level. Um, of biology versus the 210 to 11. Um, pharmacy is another program that's growing. Um, pharmacy tech, because it's a two semester program and it doesn't have all the requirements that other programs have. Medical assisting, expanded duty dental assistant and surgical tech are programs that are diploma and certificates, but we do sign associate's degree contracts with them. So the student could go into surgical tech, finish a diploma, and then convert back and say, I want to finish an associate's degree in surgical tech and we can move right along and do that. So here in the healthcare branch, we see specific needs and knowledge advisors there use and follow. Intrusive questions in healthcare are crucial. So very much getting into the nitty gritty of their life so that you can help them plan out things. Um, I always say for healthcare and nursing, there's a sort of, different commitment um, that's required than a regular, you know, associates in business. I mean, every degree requires a commitment, but this one has that extra commitment because one, you're dealing with people's lives. You're learning how to deal with people's lives and save people's lives, but also it's intense. And so, you know, it has to be that you're fully committed or you're not from beginning to end having them see that light and knowing, hey, when you reach the end of this light at this tunnel, this is where you're at and this is what you're going to accomplish and this is what you can do with this. Um, so it is a lot of coaching, um, a lot of mentoring. But life happens to every student, no matter what school they enter. And advisors are also part of the safety net the college has for when things get really tough. I deal with a lot of students on different stages. Recently, I dealt with a student who is homeless. So trying to find them resources. So I reach out to my contacts at the college. We work with Dr. Kirk and everybody and, and got her some resources. But, you know, it's that type of stuff that they bring to us at the table that we have to 
oh my God, yeah, let's let's figure something out. So definitely a lot of that. But it's just knowing that you're making a difference. And like I said, you have to you have to have empathy, you have to have sympathy, you have to have care to be able to structure and do a job like this because it's not just about scheduling classes and making sure they're staying on the right track. It's also just that mentoring and coaching part that they're going to come to you and ask questions. They may know a whole lot of people, but they're always going to remember their advisor when they get good advice. So let's see again, the fruit on the branch, a current student But instead of just hearing their voice, I thought I'd bring you a little conversation between a student and an advisor, since that's their specialty. And not just a student, our guest is actually also an advisor, a special kind called a student navigator. So here we are, a little conversation between Barbara Church Rodriguez and college advisee and also Barbara's co-advisor. My name is Jaylene Haynes. I am a current student at Midlands Technical College in the AAS Management Entrepreneurship Program. Um, I should be graduating in the spring, so I'm very excited about that. I also work full-time at the college and the advising department as a scheduling navigator, um, and I've been here since April of 2022. So now, go ahead and tell us what program are you working on at Midlands Tech, and how much longer do you have because I know you're up for graduation here soon. So first, your program, and how has it been going through that program? Yeah, so I am currently in the Associate Applied Science in Management with a focus in entrepreneurship program. Um, I am supposed to be graduating in the spring and finishing in the summer of 2023, which I'm very excited about. It's been a long time coming. Um, And I really think that this program has been very cool I started out when I first went to college as an education major and quickly realized that that was not something that I wanted to do for the rest of my life, um, just for personal reasons, honestly. And so I switched to a business major. And then I transferred out of the college that I started at and came here. And they told me that based on, my, my advisor told me that based on the goals that I had for the future of wanting to own my own business one day, that that program would probably be the best idea for me. And I love it. I think the worst part right now is the accounting portion because I'm definitely not a math person. But other than that, I really enjoy growing and learning about the program and and learning more about business in general because as an aspiring business owner, it's crucial that I learn some of the, I guess, book side of things because that's that's important when it comes to the legalities of, of business owning. Very true, very true. Now, you brought up your advisor. So how important was it for you to have an advisor that was assigned to you and, you know, that you can communicate with and all that? How how do you see your relationship with your advisor? Oh, I think it's insanely important. I mean, I don't think that I would have come near as far as I would have had I not had an advisor who I could talk to and discuss my goals with, because, I mean, really, they were the ones that told me, hey, instead of just being a business major or working on an entrepreneurship certificate, why don't you do this program, which is more focused for owning and operating a business? And it has really led me to have, obviously, awesome opportunities. I mean, taking College 101 in the business field with Dr. Kirk was the whole reason that I was able to get the job here at Midlands. And so just the opportunities from from having somebody who I can be personable with and, and really relate to and who knows what I want to do based on what I tell them 
I think it's insanely important, and I am grateful to have had such good advisors so far throughout my career at Midlands Tech. So you've experienced the half of being advised, having an assigned advisor and going through your program to now becoming a navigator at the school. Um, so tell us what a navigator does and what it entails. Sure. So I am, yes, I'm a scheduling navigator. I am the first scheduling navigator at Midlands Tech and currently the only scheduling navigator at Midlands Tech. Um, I help students with registration. Once they are advised and have met with their advisor, they come to me. I help them get registered and I let them know what their steps are after registration or in order to get registered because sometimes students have things that they have to do before they can register. And so I kind of break that down and, and assist students in completing those things that they need to do in order to register, as well as, again, assisting with that registration process. Because oftentimes for first time students or students who may not have great technological skills, it's really important that they have somebody that they can come to who is just, I guess, a breath of fresh air that says, hey, like, let me walk you through how to do this. That way, next time you can do it yourself. And so I think it's it's an it's amazing. I love working with the students. Uh, you know, there's so many different kinds of people that I see and meet with on a day to day basis. And it has been really cool to get to learn this side of the college. And I would say with that, what's the most interesting part of your job? Is it building the the discussion and the communication with the student or something more? It's definitely dealing with students every day. I have students who I helped back in June and July of this year who are emailing me now and saying, hey, it's time for me to register for spring classes. When can we talk? When can when can we set up a time for you to help me register my classes? And just seeing that and and knowing that those that I've had an impact on these students and, and they want to come back and, and get help and have their questions answered by me, I think it is really, really cool. And I am so grateful to be able to be that person for so many students. Awesome. So now that you're finishing up, so summer 2023 is the goal to finish. Um, what is your goal after that? Like, do you see yourself still working at the college or do you see yourself moving on to the next step? Right now, I mean, honestly, as a college student, it's kind of unclear what the future holds because, you know, I feel like, you know, everybody's like, you got your ducks in a row and I don't even know where my ducks are. So that's how it's kind of going right now. But at this point, I think I could see myself being here for a little bit of time after graduation just to kind of get myself situated to that lifestyle out of college and work because um, it can be it can be insanely frustrating being both a full-time college student and a full-time employee. But with that, I'm grateful to be able to work on my school at the school that I work at. It's it's really cool. But I can see myself being here for a little while after graduation, but eventually I would like to move on and, and start my own business and kind of do the things that I came here to get my degree for. Awesome. These are the interconnections that make lives meaningful and rich. Jaylene describes being advised and connected, and she describes being the connection and being the advisor. Also, she made the important discovery that working in education as a teacher might not be for her, but I still hear a heart for related work as she describes the satisfaction that being a student advisor brings her. These webs the college weaves can make a huge impact on student success and the lives of everyone involved. And now, the future. We began in the past at the roots with Drew. 
advising as a new director. And so we're in a time of transition yet again. My name is Gina Polizzi. I am the Director of Academic and Career Advising, and I have been at Midlands Technical College for just over three and a half years. I asked Gina, where are we right now from your perspective? So much has happened in the last few years. Where is advising right now? So academic and career advising is constantly pivoting to meet the, the current student's needs, and our current student is constantly changing. Um, with what we're getting from uh, that's coming out of the high schools right now is different than what we had, you know, three and a half years ago. Um, what we're getting from the, the skills that we're having from the community that are coming here to take advantage of, you know, free tuition is is very different. So um, what we're doing in our office is really just seeing what the needs are that we we need to address and continuously pivoting. Um, what trends are we seeing? We're having open discussions so we can address those in our team meetings. Um, but we're doing really honestly whatever we can to make sure that our students have what they need when they need it. So we're listening and reacting, which is something that we really don't like to do. We would rather be proactive. But right now we're in a time of reaction, and that's what we have to do in our role here in academic and career advising. How are our students when they arrive at advising? Any advising appointment, when the students are coming in and they're fresh, or if they're an adult coming in, they really, they're at a loss. They don't know what, what to expect, if, especially if this is their first time at MTC. They don't know what they need. They don't know what it's called. They have their guidance counselor, or um, you know, maybe they have an, a, um, an older sibling, or if they're an adult, maybe one of their children that have gone through the process but they don't know what it's called here. So we need to help educate them in that appointment or in their transactions with us to help them learn the whole college process. Coming to school is you know, not just about academics, it's about the experience as well. And even though we're giving them a top-notch academic experience, we also have to give them a great student experience. Gina also told me that she believes that advising should provide students with certainty in uncertain times. I feel like the last few years for all of us have been ones of multidimensional uncertainty. So perhaps this has greater weight than ever. How can centralized advising offer certainty to a student? Our students are very high touch and high need. The one thing that our advisors bring to them and our department brings to them is a form of is consistency. We all know that we do better and we, we can master skills through consistent um, repetition. And that's what our advisors provide them. Um, we're consistently available that for them through appointments, through drop-in hours. We can meet them in person or on Zoom. But all in all, our students know when they don't know where to turn, they can come to their advisor and their advisor will get them either that help them learn that answer or get that answer or point them to the service at the college or externally to the college that will help them. So really, it comes down to the that I think you said multidimensional um, uncertainty to help them with that. It's really a simple answer of being consistent and making sure that they understand what those parameters are. So having that consistent scheduling, um, consistent drop-in hours, and just being, you know, available both virtually and in person is truly going to help the student. 
In our FSL Common Read book, Relationship Rich Education, the authors Peter Felton and Leo Lambert talk about the importance of college students being asked who they are now and who they're becoming. It turns out, Gina tells me, advisors already engage in asking these questions explicitly. One thing that our advisors do, and faculty are, do this as well, they have to see that whole student that's sitting in front of them. They need to see the student that's inside the classroom, the student that's outside of the classroom, and then that person the student wants to become. They have to understand the, um, the challenges that they're going to have in the classroom, but then also what is going on in life outside. So, you know, if, if the student cannot attend full-time, why is that? How can we help them to get to completion quicker? Or what can we do to address those needs? Does the student know that there is, you know, that the library is open till 7 p.m.? Does the student know that they have an academic success center here with both in-person and virtually, uh, virtual tutoring? Help them overcome those academic challenges, but then also teach them time management skills of if you need to work 40 hours a week, then yeah, you're right. You don't need to be full-time. Let's put you in a part-time schedule and let's look and see what method of delivery is going to be best for you. Do you need to kind of hustle after work to get to campus and make sure that you're taking that in person? Because it's a concept that you're not going to be able to grasp as well in an online or virtual env environment. We are going to look at all of those factors and really help the student get the best educational experience that they can by coming to us. You can hear the tree, the project of centralized advising growing. They're handling college processes, connecting students to services, working on improving needed student soft skills, being vision makers. Let's ask Gina, what's next? She assumed her new role as director this September. The first year of a new position like this is also a time of uncertainty as a leader makes choices and priorities and begins the new direction. Drew's project a few years ago was to begin, to found. Gina's is to continue, to go to find the next phase and what's best for the college and our students. So what's next? I would like to see our, our department continue to grow with the number of advisors that I have to um, have to support. Um, the student population, but also to, you know, um, provide better services at all locations. Um, we have a, a great center on both Beltline and on um, airport, but I would love to see um, a, a center of some sort out at the Northeast campus because I think we're missing, we're missing a great student population out there and it could help um, students feel more connected um, out there in the Northeast center. I hope that I continue to have the support of the college and the um, necessary funding to be able to provide my advisors with the training that they will need to be able to be successful in their positions, whether that's training that is housed by possibly um, through the uh, assistance of corporate and continuing education or faculty members here at MTC, because I definitely would want to use the internal resources that we have here, but also what is available to us outside of the walls of MTC to really help us deliver a better experience. I want that continued support and some additional funding for that 
because I think it will also help us with the challenge of making sure that we have a solid advising team that we can, that our students can rely on and that they are getting the skills that they need to best serve the students. So I just really want to continue to grow what we have built here at MTC in the three and a half years of my tenure. I want to continue to grow on that and then really just as I said earlier, pivot, pivot to meet that student need and be proactive about it and look and see what's going on in K through 12 right now, that what, what, we, what will we be expecting in the next year or two and really rise up to be prepared for those students. And she wants to strengthen and lengthen the branches of advising into the schools. So I think that's one thing that I would I, I truly want to move forward with in our department across the different college or the, the different schools of study here at MTC. And I can't do that alone. I have to have the faculty and the dean support to do that because we need to tap into their knowledge to best serve those students and understand classes and be able to speak that, uh, that little bit of academic lingo so we can translate that to the students so they can understand what it is is that truly what they want to do? I think I would call it academic mentoring from the schools of study is something that we'll constantly be working on and I'm constantly trying to gain more knowledge in. Gina said it, she can't grow this project alone. The entirety of the advising project depends upon contact and interconnection and working relationships. And I hear also a symbiosis of advising and instruction. The story began with a paradigm shift that may have appeared to be a removal, a withdrawal of responsibility. As I listened, I hear advisors talking about putting time back into faculty hands. They see themselves as further support for students working alongside faculty to get the student where they want to go. This episode also gets into the structure of the college, following not just individuals, but their entire unit. As I said in the very first episode of this podcast project, I see our college as an ecosystem. What have you heard today that lets you see a bit more about how we function together? Like many ecosystems, our inner workings are often hidden, obscure, until we dig into them and examine the lives that are being lived just below the surface of the obvious. I'll leave you today with a last snippet of Barbara and Jaylene. Barbara asked Jaylene what her biggest struggle has been at the college. I appreciate Jaylene's self-reflection in her answer, and I think many of our students share it. I'm glad to be living in communities with Jaylene and Chandler finding their paths as they complete their time with MTC next year. What a boon they are for those who connect with them. And now we have a sense of the many who have supported them as they come along. You may have noticed, we're now running a micro-series called Sustainable Connections on weeks other than when an instructional ecology episode releases, so keep an ear open for those. And I hope you'll join us next time for our last instructional ecology episode of the season, coming to the end of the semester and further into the web of our community. If you had to say, what was your biggest struggle throughout the two years now? I think the biggest struggle was just having the pressure of wanting to do really well in college. Um, I was always, I guess you would say, the good kid of my family. I was always the one who my parents knew I was going to go to college. My family knew I was going to go to college. Everybody was kind of expecting that out of me. And so just the pressure of wanting to do well for everybody, I think, has been a really big struggle because I've, I've 
grown to a point where I feel like I don't have a lot of time for myself anymore because I'm so focused on trying to achieve the goals that everybody has set in place for me. But I've also learned to accept that because those are goals that I also have for myself. Like I want to see myself succeed. So maybe I do have that pressure, but that pressure is a good thing because I, it pushes me to work harder.